Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. On that fateful day on the 30th of January 1972, when what has now become known as Bloody Sunday, British soldiers fired into a crowd of unarmed civilians who were taking part in a civil rights march in the Bogside in Derry. In all, 28 people were shot, 13 people died, and other persons succumbed to their injuries a number of months later. Now, there has been two tribunals. The first, of course, the Widry Tribunal, blamed the protesters and cleared the British soldiers and the authorities of any blame. The second investigation, of course, the Savile Inquiry, which was set up in 1998, uh, 2010, the report was published and found that the killings were both unjustified and unjustifiable. And the Prime Minister at the time, David Cameron, apologised on behalf of the British people, or the people of the UK. Now, today, of course, the news is out that one former British Army soldier is to be charged with the murder of killing civilians in Derry on the 30th of January 1972. And the Northern Ireland Prosecution Services announced its decision this morning following a review of the cases involving 19 individuals. The soldier, who will only be known as Soldier F for the moment, although his name was mentioned in the original report, is to be prosecuted for the murder of James Ray and William McKinney and for the attempted murders of Joseph Frail, Michael Quinn and uh, Joe uh, Joe Mann and Patrick O'Donnell. To give us more information on this is Eamon Sweeney, who's a reporter with Derry Now. Eamon, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, mate. Um, what a shocking, shocking story in the sense that I know the survivors and those who have been campaigning for years will be deeply disappointed today that only one soldier um, is being charged. Now, according to the Director of Public Prosecutions or the Northern Ireland Public Prosecutions, they don't have enough evidence to prosecute anybody else. Is that acceptable, do you think? Well, it's certainly not acceptable to the relatives who have been campaigning for 47 years to not only see the names of their loved ones vindicated, but to see those responsible for perpetrating the killings and the woundings in Derry on January 30th, 1972, brought to justice. The entire fulcrum of the campaign uh, for these people over nearly five decades has been that they want the same justice that would be applied to them uh, in a similar situation, applied to British soldiers uh, who, for whatever reason, whether it was ordered from on high, whether they lost control, killed 13 innocent civilians on that day. They wounded a similar number on that day, and this is the result of almost 50 years of campaigning to see these guys brought to justice. As you said, only one soldier who held the rank, the rank at that stage in the Parachute Regiment of Lance Corporal, known as Soldier F, will, as you said, be charged with the murder of James Ray and William McKinney and for the attempted murders of Joseph Free, Michael Quinn, and Joe Mahan and Patrick O'Donnell. I mean, it must be very disappointing for the families of people like um, Barney McGuigan and other people who have, we've heard the names, we've all heard the names mentioned throughout the years. That famous story, of course, of Barney McGuigan who came out with a white hanky in his hand and was then shot in the head. I mean, for yeah. those families, you know, they, obviously they would have grandchildren now and, you know, nieces and nephews and great nieces and nephews uh, who would have seen their uncle or their grandfather's hero at the time. And no justice is being done for them. 
Now, I know a lot of the individuals responsible are probably dead now at this stage. Some of the soldiers, of course, there was, in the original Savile report, there was four soldiers mentioned, two of whom are dead, two of whom are still alive. What, do we know what age Soldier F is at this stage, or any, any indication of what age group he would be in at this stage? There's no indication, given the fact that he held the rank of Lance Corporal, you would imagine he was in his early to mid-twenties at that stage, possibly a bit older, which makes him, you know, uh, in the upper 60s, early 70s bracket. Um, mm. There have been people uh, of much older status who have been prosecuted for crimes. Absolutely. Um, we, we, so we've seen that across Europe and we've seen that in the United States, yeah. absolutely. Uh, we've seen yeah. people in their 90s being prosecuted in Germany, mm. for example, for war crimes. Um, and, know, sorry, go ahead. None of the relatives here would uh, indicate that age should be a barrier to prosecution. Um, we've had the development in the last 48 hours where the British Ministry of Defence have basically indicated that they'll rework the remits of the Good Friday Agreement to allow anybody who serves a jail sentence to be released early. Originally, the uh, remit was between 1973 and 1988 for crimes committed during the Troubles. That is going to be moved back, apparently, uh, from that stage back to 1970, or forward, rather, to 1973 to make sure that Bloody Sunday is included under the terms of the Good Friday Agreement. So what we've seen there is the British state moving very quickly to protect um, any potential jail sentences from... Well, uh, I, I'm quite shocked to see that... Uh, which, of course, there's only mm, going to be one. I mean, Gregory Campbell, of the DUP MP, has just said that there was no significance to this or attached to Bloody Sunday, uh, which I find astonishing to say something like that. Well, Sorry, can you repeat, repeat that? Gregory Campbell, the DUP MP, has said that there was no significance attached to Bloody Sunday. He said this today. And I find, I find that kind of remark not only to be insensitive and insulting uh, to the people of Northern Ireland. Well, I can't imagine what context Mr. Campbell has placed that in, but taking it uh, at a wider view uh, from first hearing it from yourself, it seems an astonishing statement, yes. Yeah, I mean, we, we did hear statements, of course, last week in relation to, um, you know, that people, other MPs have suggested that they were proud of the British Defence Forces and what they did at the time. I mean, these, all these kind of remarks don't make it any better for those people who are suffering in Northern Ireland have never had any justice. Well, just to put another, just to put that particular type of comment into the context of a press conference that's taken place in the Giltall here in Derry in the last 15 minutes, um, you're basically having relatives come forward and say, you know, age is no barrier to prosecution. Um, just because prosecutions haven't taken place on a wide level doesn't mean that those who perpetrated the killings and the woundings and Bloody Sunday are innocent. Uh, you know, so to say that has no significance or also you had, had the interference uh, from basically the Ministry of Defence and several British politicians in the last week making comments in relation to the judgment that was forthcoming today. Um, so we've had one relative, John Kelly, whose brother, uh, Michael, I, I'm gonna, and he was shot I, just, just, uh, I, want, I want to clarify for you the, the actions. I don't, I don't want to be paraphrasing here, okay? So it's, I'm just reading yeah. here, okay? He said, and I quote, undue significance has been attached to what was a tragedy, uh, but the context must be established. And he said this to Sean O'Rourke just now in RTE. Well, I'm undue so significance to me. The context was... The context was, and it is plainly established in the Savile report, the context was that parachute soldiers, regiment soldiers rather from the parachute regiment, were sent into Derry to ostensibly break up 
a civil rights protest that had been banned by the Stormont government. And for whatever reason, whether it was the responsibility of senior politicians in England, senior military commanders, those soldiers who were placed in the box on that day ran amok and killed 14 people and wounded a similar number. So that's the context and the only context in which Bloody Sunday can be viewed. He's, he went on to say the context in which soldiers were deployed on that day must be clarified. He said the soldiers believed that they were going to, into a demonstration that was likely to turn violent. I was there as a teenager, he said, uh, that day as petrol bombs rained down, as shops and soldiers were attacked by, uh, and police were killed. Uh, there was violence for weeks. Uh, that's why they were deployed. There was no inquiry into the deaths of those police officers. Well, what he's doing is placing them into the context of events, tragic events and killings by the IRA that happened, you know, in the days before Bloody Sunday, which in that sense, he's absolutely correct in saying so. There were two policemen uh, basically butchered by the IRA, but a week before Bloody Sunday took place. That's indisputable. And that's just as much crime. Absolutely. Those and, those, and all those individuals, we would equally say, should be brought to justice as well. This, this is not a matter of equivalence. Mm-hmm. This is a matter of placing individual incidents and treating them on the merits in which they happen. So, to me, there's no context to be made because each of these individual incidents, which we're both calling, need to be treated individually and brought justice. Well, I just don't think it's the time or the place to make a statement similar to the one that he's just made. I think he could have waited uh, a while, um, just out of, obviously for sensitivity to the family. Uh, I want to read the second part of the statement by the solicitors representing the family. Now, obviously, uh, notwithstanding the unprecedented attempt by political interference with the independence of the judicial process, the families have not only succeeded in consigning the Widgery report to history and securing the complete vindication and declaration of innocence of all the victims of Bloody Sunday through the Savile inquiry, they have now secured a prosecution and so but they do go on to say they're very disappointed that not all those responsible are going to face trial and we will give uh, detailed consideration to the reasons provided uh, for the decisions not to prosecute the other soldiers. Do you, do you believe, by the way, Eamon, that it's enough for the uh, Northern Ireland uh, Public Prosecution Service to turn around and say we don't have significant evidence? I mean, the Savile Inquiry had you know, numerous reports, numerous uh, witness reports, which we know can't be used in a criminal trial. Yeah. But and also there's a restri- uh, po- reporting restrictions on those because if, if there wasn't we could tell you who, who Soldier F was. But do yeah. you do you believe that even though witness reports saw these men saw these soldiers shooting people on the ground as they crawled away, for example, do you believe that those witness statements can should be used? Well, it's a matter of uh, legality that the statements that were given at the Savile inquiry, which was not a body established with. Um, prosecution powers could not be used in any further murder investigations that the PSNI conducted um, after the release of the Savile report. That's just a matter of law. So the Public Prosecution Service uh, were placed in a position where they had to rely on evidence gathered at interview by the PSNI who then forwarded the files to the Public Prosecution Services on which the decision that we have seen today was taken. So you have a 47-year gap between the killings taking place and today's decision by the Public Prosecution Service. But what you have there as well is um, a series of interviews uh, that took place with these soldiers in which it became pretty apparent that they gave no comment answers. Um, so strictly and fairly to the Public Prosecution Service, 
they could only act upon the information that they received. But that's obviously not going to keep the families happy because the families obviously know that this happened. They know that other witnesses were there and, you know, and saw many of those witnesses have since passed away possibly as well and can't give evidence anymore. So that puts us in a very awkward situation. I mean, this I've noticed over the last few weeks with with obviously the the, the car bombing in Derry. We had the the bombs sent over, you know, in the envelopes recently there to the UK. You have this now as well. I mean, it's creating a very bad climate in Northern Ireland at the moment. Is that something that you have noticed? or I mean, and then along with Brexit and everything else that's happening, uh, about, where, no, the, where the UP have accused you know, the British of treating Northern Ireland differently. Has it created a climate? Is there, is there suddenly no, a bad I, I, feeling? In no, shape, in no shape or form, and it's a mistake that media all over the world have made in recent years in connection to Bloody Sunday, what I attribute any rise in dissonant activity to the inquiry that happened in the Bloody Sunday or today's decision. What dissident Republicans are going to get up to is entirely a matter for themselves, separate from this particular case. The relatives of those killed and wounded in Bloody Sunday would be aghast, I mean aghast, if they thought that dissident Republicans were using Bloody Sunday as some sort of justification for a renewed campaign. It has to be put out there that this is a massively separate issue. I, absolutely, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. But I suppose what people are thinking, this, along with the way Northern Ireland have been treated through this whole Brexit lunacy mm-hmm. over the last few months, and along with, obviously, other factions of individuals who are claiming to be new IRA, that yeah. there's a sense up there that, I suppose, one or two people have said to me, that they've used the term, sure, it's all kicking off again. Is is that is there a sense like that in Northern Ireland at the moment? And I'm not pulling that down to Bloody Sunday completely, but Neither, just, just, just in everything there, that's there happening. Is sense, there is a sense that, you know, there is a rise in dissident Republican activity. The bomb in the centre of Derry a few weeks ago being the prime example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a stark reminder of days gone by. But it has not been a sustained campaign. Um, there's no reason to believe it will continue to be a sustained campaign of violence. For whatever reason, neither would I attribute um, the fallout over Brexit to a rise in dissident republicanism. Rather, if it was going to be attributed to anything, it would be the vacuum created by the collapse of Stormont, where elements within republicanism will see this as some sort of justification for returning to violence. But it must be stressed that these issues are separate from both Brexit and from Bloody Sunday. Listen, thank you very much indeed for coming on the air today with us, Eamon. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you very much indeed. Eamon Sweeney, who's a reporter for Derry Now. Also on the line is Peter Casey, um, a former uh, presidential candidate who was there on that day in January in 1972 um, as part of the Civil Rights March. Peter, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Um, Peter, I mean, you've, you've heard the news today that one soldier, Soldier F, has been charged with murder and attempted murder of two others as well. I mean, you've been prosecuted by the murder of James Ray, the murder of William McKinney, and for the attempted murders of Joseph Frail, Michael Quinn, uh, Joe Mann, and Patrick O'Donnell. Now, they're saying there isn't enough evidence to charge anybody else. Uh, do you accept that? Well, I think some of the soldier, I think Soldier F, as hit rather, is dead. And, you know, I think the, some of the others, they don't have just quite as compelling evidence, but I mean, they have Soldier F uh, on camera, on video, or TV recording, I believe, mm. and he, um, so, 
Yeah, I was actually reading recently Regina McLaughlin, you know, whose father, um, Jerry McKinney, was was uh, murdered. Mm. And she was saying that, you know, shame them and name them, but she said, like, they're in their 70s. There's really, I don't think there's a lot to be gained by by putting them uh, in jail. Well, they put, they, put, know, I mean, they put Nazi soldiers in jail at the age of 95. Yeah, yeah. Well, the other thing, though, Niall, is the Good Friday uh, peace agreement restricts the amount of time that people would serve in jail. So I, I think they would obviously be covered by partially by the Good Friday peace agreement. But, you know, I, it's, it seems strange that it's taken so long. 47 you know, years. Compelling do, yeah, do, you, do you remember that day? For, do you remember that day 47 years ago, Peter? Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Absolutely. It was with, I was with my mother and my father and my sister. And um, we were just at the Roswell Street flats when the paratroopers came charging in and started shooting. And uh, it was probably about maybe 100 yards from Bishop Daly, you know, and, uh, and they, it was just absolute chaos. And everybody started running everywhere, you know, and then my father said, just get down the ground. And we crawled uh, from Free Dairy Corner over to um, the Bogside Inn, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was um, Bernard at Devlin was actually giving... Um, a, a sort of a speech uh, from a flat top uh, mm-hmm. at Free Dairy Corner, and uh, she was saying, "Stand your ground, stand your ground." Uh, you know, there's a there was a member of the um, <clears throat> House of Lords was on the the flat top with her. The the, the guy, the Lord, um, oh gosh, uh, he did the, the pornography. Uh, uh, he, he's heralded pornography or what's his name I can't remember I can't remember, I can't remember the guy's name I can't yeah, help you out with that one but, but Peter I mean the, the reason for the yeah. civil rights march for a lot of people that don't understand the history of Northern Ireland and particularly of Derry I mean yeah. of course Catholics couldn't even get jobs at the time it was that bad and uh, the Catholics were poor the Protestants had the money I mean why? I mean, why were your family there? Why were they taking part in this civil rights march? This civil rights march, by the way, they were told that they couldn't have this march, uh, but they went ahead and had it anyway. Um, I mean, well, what was it like living in Derry at that particular time as a Catholic family? Well, my father was one of the 12 members of the Bogside Community Association, uh, with John Hume was a member of it, and Ivan Cooper. Ivan was one of the organisers, actually, of that, the march, um, Bloody Sunday March. And so my father was sort of involved in local politics, as it were. And uh, at this time, I mean, I grew up, obviously, at the height of the Troubles, and, of course, you had the no-go areas where the soldiers and the police weren't allowed in, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that was, um, it was, looking back on it, it was a sort of surreal time to grow up, you know. A couple of, had friends who were killed in the Troubles, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, but, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, part of me goes, yes, absolutely, he should be prosecuted. And the other part of me goes, gosh, it's, you know, we've had two tribunals. Well, the first one, the Lord Widgery Tribunal. Well, um, that took all the blame away from the British soldiers completely. Basically, that basically said, yeah, that, he basically said that, you know, three of the soldiers' behavior bordered on reckless, but no charges, you know, were mm-hmm. justified. And uh, it was interesting, Eddie McAteer, who was the leader of the Nationalist Party at the time, his comment famously was, I suppose we should be grateful that Lord Widgery didn't find at all 13 committed suicide, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and so it's taken a long time to get, to get justice. I think the Savile uh, Tribunal went a long way. Uh, towards towards doing that, 
Um, but I mean, we can't go into too much. I, I know, look, the Savile Report is there for all to see. You can go online and read it if you want. And we can't go into too much yeah. detail because there's now reporting restrictions on what we can and can't say about Soldier F. He's actually identified in the Savile Report by first name because um, at one stage, mm-hmm. I think it was Bar- uh, Barney McGuigan came out with a white hanky and asked him to stop shooting. Uh, and he mm-hmm. knelt down on the ground and shot him in the head. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's he, all part yeah. of the Savile Report. Yes, and he, he also shot James Ray in the back when he was lying on the ground as well. Yeah. And, and this is because, though, of course, there was weapons sent off to, to laboratories to examine the bullet that was used because he had denied that initially. Okay, but will it, ser- will it serve a purpose to take what probably a 70-year-old man now, uh, most likely because, you know, he we, we imagine he was probably somewhere between 25 and 35 at the time, um, because he was a Lance Corporal, mm-hmm. from what I know. So, I mean, does it does it make any sense? You believe it doesn't make too much sense to bring him to, to court. Now, I know victims have well, said they don't blame the soldiers personally. They blame the establishment. Yes. Well, another thing, you know, this, this I was talking to my brother there this morning when news came out that he actually, rep- his, his firm represented the Ray family in the Savile Tribunal, you know, and, uh, you know, a lot, the, the parents are dead now, you know, the, uh, a lot of the, the, the people who were directly impacted uh, have passed, you know. Uh, he was saying that there's lots of issues that where would the trial be held? There, there'll be, it'll be tied up in, in love with law, law courts for years. I mean, it, it'll be, it'll be at least three or four years before Soldier F, by the time appeals happen and everything else. So part of me goes, yeah, we should definitely get justice for the family. And then, Part of me goes, guys, it's probably time to, to move on, you know, but... But it's, know, e- it's, it's easy it's for us to say, well, and Peter, it's easy it's for you to say, me. you know, I mean, it wasn't our grandfather, you know, it wasn't our father, it wasn't our no. uncle. Some of the some of the families, some of the families, uh, you know, absolutely want to, and therefore I think we should, you know. Um, and the other families, I, I think, appear to be, you know, uh, like Regina, um, uh, you know, name them and shame them, but there's not a lot to be gained to putting a 75-year-old man in jail, you know, but I, I mean, I, I think if there's a, if there are some members of the family who really feel strongly that um, that they that they should be prosecuted, then I'm, I mean, we, 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 we hunted down German Nazis for in their 90s, so why wouldn't we hunt down a, a British murderer? You know, so it's a tough one. It really is a tough one. I'm looking at the comments today, and I happened to mention to our reporter there from um, Derry today uh, that Gregory Campbell, the MP for the DUP in the city, um, he said Mm -hmm. there's undue significance has been attached to what was a tragedy, but the context must be established. He said the context in which soldiers were deployed on that day must be clarified. He said the soldiers believed they were going to a demonstration that was likely to turn violent. He said, I was there as a teenager that day as petrol bombs rained down as shops and soldiers were attacked and the police were killed. Uh, now he goes on to say there was violence for weeks. That's why they were deployed. There was no injury or an inquiry into the deaths of police officers. Do, do you yeah, accept I, it? Or, or is he trying to deflect from what was the real tragedy by, yeah. by blaming everybody else? You know, I mean, I would be very doubtful that Gregory Campbell, who lived over in the waterside, was over in the bogside on the day of the march. Mm. You know, it, it really wouldn't be uh, it wouldn't be the place I would have expected to find him. I would take him at his word. He says he was there, but you know, you have to, you know, Derry is 
about 100,000 people and about 80,000 live on one side of the river and the 20,000, most of the Catholics live on the bog side, the Craig and the Rosemount area. And uh, Gregory uh, is over in the water side. So I would very much doubt if he was uh, on the march. I'll take him at his word, mm-hmm. you know, but I mean, I, it, I think it's... Uh, it's well, may, maybe he's not suggesting he was at the march, but maybe he was suggesting when he says, and I, I'm going to put this, and I'm quoting him here, I was there as a teenager that day as petrol bombs rained down. Uh, well, that's he is saying he was there that day. Um, as <clears> shops uh, and soldiers were attacked and police were killed. Not on that day, they weren't. Well, this is no, I would, that's uh, his direct quote, by the way. And he, he said there was violence well, for weeks. I, I think what he's trying to say well, is there, he was... I think I don't believe he's trying to say he was actually at the march, but I think what he was trying to say is I was there those days rather than that day. And he says there was violence for weeks. That uh, that's there, why there was, they were divided. There, there was violence for more than weeks. There was violence. You know, there was riots. We we called it the matinee every. Every Saturday, there'd be uh, an even day at after school. We'd go down, we'd throw stones at the soldiers in William Street, and they'd fire over bullets. And then it was it was called the matinee. So it wasn't really a lot of violence. Or just like, and why didn't I mean? Why, why did they ever find out, or did we ever come to the conclusion as to why that particular day rubber bullets weren't used when rubber bullets were used on a regular basis? Why weren't they used on that particular day? It it, it seems that the soldiers were prepped to really come down hard. You know, that's that seems to, you know, they were they were definitely wound up. If you according to the uh, the Savile report, they were definitely sort of, you know, told that, you know, it was acceptable to be fairly tough, you know, on the day. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think that that was, you know, I would hold. I, I would rather see the, the soldier soldiers F commanding officer charged. Well, he's probably dead. He's probably he's probably well. He might not be. He'd be thirty plus forty seven. He could be in his eighties. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I think the the the, the people on the ground who give the orders are more the ones that you know. I mean, a twenty two year old um, or twenty three year old at probably at the time, you know, and uh, I, he's absolutely not innocent. But you know, I mean, I I, I would hold his commanding officer more guilty uh, than than not not more guilty, equally guilty, you know. But I, I just find it strange that they haven't got. They just picked on one. They absolutely apparently they have. They will probably be other charges perhaps against some of the others later but you know I, it'll it'll well, be I, well I don't know I don't think so because according to the Northern Ireland Prosecution Service uh, they don't have enough evidence to prosecute anybody else they believe that the evidence is insignificant <clears throat> to provide a reasonable prospect of conviction in respect of the other 18 suspects including six for, 16 former soldiers and two alleged members of the official IRA yeah. well you know I, I think that um It'll be as my brother said this morning. He said it'll be it'll be three or four years at least. I mean, there'll be there'll be it'll be probably a couple of years before they decide where to hold the trial, <laughs> you know. And uh, it'll it'll be three or four years at least before. So what? So what are you saying, Peter? Are you saying that the the British charging this particular individual is to pacify those who have been making a lot of noise and campaigning for many years? In other words, it's a bit of tokenism. Is it, well, it's something that's you know, probably not going to happen it's, anyway. It's, it's, it's a tough one. It really is, Mel. I mean, part of me goes, gosh, you know, he definitely did it. There's absolutely no doubt about it. And the other part is, you know, by the time it goes, you will be opening up lots of wounds. And some of the family members want it, and therefore I think we, it should be done. 
uh, you know, and he should be prosecuted. If, if all the family members had come out and said, look, we don't want this to happen, then I think the family members should be respected. But uh, my understanding is that some of the family members do actually... Uh, yes, some forgive him and some don't, yes. Some do and some don't. And as long as some don't, then I think... Uh, but do you think, there, do you think be, the British government are doing it to pacify people rather than for the right reasons? You know, I've given up trying to work out the British government now. <laughs> All right, okay. Fair enough. That, we've, we've noticed that over the last few months anyway. But listen, Peter Casey, I, I appreciate you joining us today in the air. All right, thanks very much indeed. Uh, as you may or may not know, one soldier has now been charged. A man known as Soldier F, who can't be named, is to be prosecuted for the murder of James Ray and William McKinney and for the attempted murders of uh, Joseph Frail, Michael Quinn, Joe Mann and Patrick O'Donnell. Is it worth it? Frank, you're on Classic Hits. Is it worth it, Frank? Noel, how are you? Hello? Yes, Frank, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, I, no, I agree with Peter Casey there. I think it's just, a, it's just a little bit of appeasement to the victims. That's all there is. But, I mean, if you, if you were a victim, I mean, if your father or your mother or your brother, your sister, your niece or your nephew was at what was a civil rights march... 47 years ago. Of course it was, of course. Yeah, but, but, but I mean, well, what, when, you, when you say it's to appease the survivors or to appease the, the victims' families... It's to be seen. What I mean, I didn't mean that flippantly yeah. now, by the way. It's just the same to be doing something. I mean, 47 years has gone by. And the Brits have always come out with this, like it was, you know, rules of engagement. Number one, there was no... The, the rules of engagement rules are, no, they're simple. You only fire a live round when you're fired upon. Okay, they didn't. They they ident- They said they identified gunmen, which they had never caught a gunman or shot. They, a gunman. Well, they even suggested one person was a bomber who wasn't exactly. a bomber. Exactly. Yeah. Now they were going around. No, listen. They were shooting people in the back. Teenagers, adults, old people. They were shooting them in the back. They shot one guy in the back of the head when he was on the ground. Okay. I mean, it's it's ludicrous. There's they broke every international rules of engagement law there. And I'm surprised the victims and the, or the families, sorry, haven't went to Europe to sue them in 47 years. And there's been nothing. And listen, Noel, you have to look at it back then. I mean, you had 68, you had the start of the civil rights in, in Yankee land. And then it come over here. And then over here, then the Catholics thought, right, this is great. This was all done, Noel, in my opinion, to appease the Protestant people up there. That's exactly what it was done for. Because let me tell you, how dare the Catholics, how dare they want to vote, and how dare they, how dare them want to march for civil rights? This was putting the boot on you to stop you. Okay, well, do, do me a favor. Stay, just stay there for a second, because I want to go to Gene Hegarty, who's the brother of Kevin McElhinney, uh, who was also killed on that day uh, 47 years ago. Uh, Gene, good afternoon to you. Sister of Kevin Michael Honey. Oh, sorry, sister. Sorry, sorry. I do apologise. He was your brother. I do apologise. Sorry. Um, today's announcement that one soldier will be charged with murder. How does that make you feel today? Well, um, disappointed, obviously, um, but not a total surprise, to be honest. Um, did you did you think that? I mean, they have said there isn't enough evidence. Um, to they, charge yeah, anybody uh-huh. else, the other sixteen former soldiers and two alleged members of the of the official IRA, other eighteen suspects. They said that there wouldn't be any available evidence, and it would be insufficient to provide a reasonable prospect of a conviction. Do you accept of that? Yes, of conviction. Yes. Do you accept that? Um, uh, considering that they are the prosecution service, I mean, 
uh, I don't know if that uh, is challengeable, and I doubt that. Um, so we, we have to go with that. And the, the problem about no evidence is that on that day, 47 years ago, no evidence was collected. There was no forensics, there was no ballistics and all that kind of stuff. And what little bit that they did do at the time was very contaminated. So... Um, so the information that we have, we relied solely on two reports, one which, of course, was uh, an absolute shambles of a report, but the second report certainly suggested the whole thing was unjustified and unjustifiable. Oh, and yes. I mean, some of it. But the, uh, uh, the police service of Northern Ireland uh, conducted an inquiry and they interviewed people and took statements and that of you know people who survived. And then they turned that information up as well as what was, had been available to them from previous inquiries over to the prosecution service who uh, and we have you know we we don't have a lot of choice about believing that they did their job properly they uh, looked at the evidence they weighed it up they considered the options and uh, they've come up with the result and and do you think that result is just to appease people rather than doing it for the right reasons if you know what I mean I can't get inside their head I don't mm. know in relation to that particular day, and I'm sure it's a day that you'll never forget for the rest of your life, what was that day like for you when William uh, was, you know, I should say Kevin was 17 years of age? And um, uh, Well, I, I actually lived in Canada at that time, so that day for me, I, I was removed from my brother going to the march and my parents being told and, you know, all of those kinds of things. I, uh, I was... Uh, six hours removed from that. I heard the news at six o'clock that gunmen and bombers had been killed. That's the news that I heard in Canada. And, of course, I'm thinking, oh, God, that's dairy. Mm -hmm. But I'm not, you know, I'm thinking, oh, I... You didn't believe innocent. You didn't believe innocent people were being killed. You thought it was... Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. I mean, this was 1972, you know. It's not like now where you distrust the press. Mm Mm-hmm. So you, yeah, we believed everything we read, and we and we believe yes, when the uh-huh. press told us that these men and women, or in some cases, children, were gone men and bombers. You were, believed that. You believed well, it. I, I didn't actually hear the news of my brother's death till the following morning. And that must have been an absolutely horrific experience, well, it, it, because it you knew Kevin because, and, and you knew that that person Kevin was. Yeah, and uh, this my innocent brother, you know, who was a bit shy and all of that, and this gunmen and bombers, and the two pieces of information just didn't make any sense. And since then, I mean, with the evidence that's come out in in both reports at this stage, and I'm sure you have read them extensively and gone through them, have you been able to piece together, you know, what happened on that particular day to Kevin and why he ended up in that situation? Mm -hmm. And The Savile Inquiry provided me with a great opportunity to find... Uh, out, out all the facts of Kevin's death. And what were the facts of Kevin's death? What happened to him? Kevin was crawling away from the soldiers, trying to reach safety in the Roswell Flats. He was crawling on his hands and knees. That is evidenced by the fact that the bullet that killed him entered him by the side of the back passage, travelled up through his body and exited under his armpit. And So there, there could be no doubt on the entry wound. Mm-hmm that he would have had to have been on the ground. So he had already been disabled, uh, so to speak, and this, this soldier obviously walked over to him, seen in the, in no, the position uh, No, he, he hadn't in. been disabled. That was but the no, when I was saying, when I say disabled, he was crawling fact, yeah. to 
safety and yep. they shot him as he crawled away. Now, if that's the actions of a soldier who feels under threat, um, that base belief. Yeah, yeah. Well, it seems that a lot of people, I suppose, that a lot of victims' families feel the same way as yourself because many of the situations that we've heard and many of the interviews we've heard over the last 24 hours have very mm-hmm. similar stories of people being shot in the back and people being shot while they were lying down on their side. Um, it does seem that the soldiers themselves uh, decided this was the way to go. Do you believe the establishment are to blame or do you believe the soldiers are directly to blame? Well, uh, obviously both have a have a part. I mean, the establishment are to blame in the fact that the soldiers, those soldiers were not resident in Derry. Those soldiers were brought into Derry the night before, for this march. So to say that there was, I, there was a degree of planning. Now, the degree of planning, I wouldn't know. But the fact that... Uh, a regiment of soldiers were brought from Hollywood in, uh, outside Belfast to Derry the night before suggests, at the very least, some degree of planning. Were they ordered, do you believe, to shoot to kill in the event of violence? Uh, uh, there's an old, old video somewhere around where uh, one of the soldiers actually admitted that they were ordered to get some kills. Now, I don't, that is probably not evidence at all, but, mm-hmm. you know... I do believe that that was what because they were I suppose told most of us, when we when we read stories of the troubles and the conflict, we've heard of you know numerous occasions where soldiers went in heavy-handed, but always rubber bullets were used in most occasions. But mm-hmm. on this occasion, live rounds was used, which seemed unusual. Uh, I think uh, someone wrote a book about the events of Bloody Sunday, and the title of it was "These Are Real Bullets, Aren't They?" Mm-hmm. So yes, I mean it would have been normal for any kind of confrontation situation that would have used rubber bullets. But uh, this appeared to be different and it was a different regiment that was brought in. Well, listen, all I can say is I wish you well and your family well and I hope the people who want justice get justice. Unfortunately, many of the individuals are dead now that are involved. The the remaining families who have not been served by today's report are solidly behind the families that have and will continue on as one. Let me go to Neve. You're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Neve? How are you doing, Nath? How are you? Um, you believe age shouldn't be a factor? No, I don't think it should. I mean, I think it's easy for us to sit here and say, oh, it's tokenism, it's this, it's that. Our families weren't killed. Mm-hmm. I think perhaps if our family, if my mother or father or brother or sister had been killed, I wouldn't think it was tokenism. I'd, I'd, I'd want somebody to be brought to the letter of the law for it. And I think in a lot of cases, when it's this sort of historical justice type situation that um, we think, oh God, look, there's there's an old man being sent to prison. It doesn't matter. He wasn't an old man when he pulled the trigger. And if you do a crime, you do the time. When you, I, I when you say historical you. justice, it's it's very different to say just, you know, a guy going out and murder somebody or a girl going out and murdering somebody 47 years ago. This was part of a conflict. And if we look at all the conflicts around the world over the last 50 or 60 years and we start taking, you know, making people personally responsible for shooting the wrong person, I mean, be it in World War Two or whatever, Vietnam War, whatever war it happened to be, we could be there all day. No, I agree with you totally. But I, I, this just feels different. This just doesn't feel like um, some soldier shooting the wrong soldier or some soldier shooting a civilian when he was aiming. Absolutely. For I mean, obviously, there is rules this of was, engagement. Yes, we understand. The rules of engagement have different. always been there. Yes. This was innocent people. This was a group of people who were out for a march on a Saturday. This would be like our, our, an army going in and shooting water protesters. Now, how would we feel about that? 
Uh, we bring it back right bang up to date. We have had peaceful protests for pro-life. We've had peaceful protests for the water protests. Now, how would we feel if, if an army had come in and shot it's be- And I understand what you're saying. And there is no need for violence in those situations. And, and yes, tempers can be flared and people should be controlled because that's what, you know, the army and that's what the police are trained to do is control situations and expect the unexpected. But this was a time of conflict. And, you know, this wasn't the first event leading up to that. There was weeks of petrol bombings. There was weeks where, yes, soldiers and police officers had been killed as well. And they're saying, well, why hasn't there been inquiries into that too? Yeah, I I do agree with you. I just think that, I think we, we, we use this as a little bit of an excuse, this conflict. Well, it was a time of conflict. Well, it, well, was, it was. It was. But you know what? It was still wrong, Niall. What they did was still murder. And I think we have to take take that aside and take away the fact that, that there have been weeks of violence, there have been weeks of this, tempers were flared, whatever. It's still no excuse. These were trained professional soldiers. Paramilitaries, and, yes. Yeah, and this is their job. And they should know how to control a situation without killing innocent people. And at the end of the day, I think a lot of stuff can be not forgiven, but people use an excuse of, well, it was the troubles. And this seems to be this blanket excuse for an awful lot of stuff that went on up there that was very wrong. People being interned and people being taken out of their homes strictly because they were Catholic or because they were Protestant. You can't just use this umbrella thing of, well, sure, that was that time. So if we did that, we'd have excuses for everything. Everything was in its time. It doesn't make it right. But can we, but can we apply the laws of today to what happened so many years ago Again, I am going to say that it was a time of conflict. And sorry, when I said paramilitaries, I meant the parachute regiment. But it was a time of conflict, you know, where these soldiers who were probably between 19 and 25 years of age, uh, wet behind the ears, joined the army, were told, there's a gun, go in there. If anybody acts the maggot, you should just give them a bullet. And that, that was the, so it was part of the establishment were telling these soldiers to do that. It was a time of war as far as they were concerned. Of course, the IRA were an illegal terrorist organization, but it was a time of war as far as they were concerned, and they were the British Defence Forces. Yeah, uh, I know what you're saying. I mean, it, that's a really valid point, and I get what you're saying. I just think that... I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to justify what they did in any shape or form, particularly when we heard, you know, the, the witness reports of people saying they were shot. I mean, victims, some victims were shot while on the ground. One man, we mentioned Barney McGuigan earlier on, who walked out with a white handkerchief and shouted at the soldier by name, which is, this is Soldier F. His name is mentioned in the Savile Report. We can't mention his name now because of strict reporting restrictions on this particular case. But waved a hanky, a white flag, more or less, and said, don't shoot, don't shoot. He was then subsequently shot in the head. I think what 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 kind of brought it home to me today was 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 hearing um, the man's sister. I'm sorry, I can't remember her name. Mm. You just had her on, Jean Hegarty. Yeah, yeah. Hearing Jean talk, and then suddenly it became very real that her brother you know, was crawling away. These aren't yeah. These aren't just historical features. Our people. This 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 man died, and his sister is grieving, and she. You know. Th- I think it made it more human for me because I think that's the problem. We have this sort of, oh, well, that was the troubles and we have these names in our heads and we heard, like, you and I grew up hearing the reports every Saturday about more troubles up the north and we became immune to it because it was, oh, well, that was ju- that's just what that's happened That's the north, yeah. But when you actually hear Jean talking this morning 
and he suddenly realised that's not just the troubles, that's not just a blanket thing, that was her brother who crawled away and died. And then you think, she deserves something. You know, her family deserves something. And even if it is this so-called tokenism that people are talking about, at least somebody has been brought to task for killing her brother as he crawled away on the ground. And that made it more human for me today. Okay, well, stay there for a second, because Brian, you're on Classic Hits. Brian, you were were in the US Marine Corps, a fighter pilot, for 12 years. Uh, You believe these soldiers should be prosecuted? Yes, I do now. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, you were part of CONF. Did you you serve any tours of duty? I did. I I, I was in a couple of uh, uh, combat situations, and uh, I was the captain in the US Marine Corps. And there's such a thing as called uh, an unlawful order. Uh, these guys can say all they want that they were following orders, but if the order is to shoot unarmed civilians, it's an unlawful order, and they are required by law to disregard that order. So there's no excuse for them shooting unarmed civilians. They claimed at the time, now of course many of them were accused later in reports of lying, that they believed that some of these individuals had petrol bombs or had other weapons on them. That's fine. That's fine. They can claim all they want. It still doesn't make it right. Um, in the United States, there are plenty of guys serving hard time in, in Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, in the United States military prison for atrocities committed in Iraq and Af- Afghanistan. And that could be the very simple thing of, of turning around a corner, seeing somebody come at them and shooting them. And they're prosecuted and they spend hard time. These guys had plenty of time to assess the situation, and they took it upon themselves to shoot unarmed civilians. There is no excuse for that. Like I said, I spent 12 years as a captain in the Marine Corps, and that's an unlawful order that should not have been followed no matter what. But as a fighter pilot in the Marine Corps, did you, and pardon my ignorance, but did you bomb cities, towns? Yes, I did. And But you wouldn't have been aware, Brian, personally, whether there was unarmed civilians in those towns and cities. Uh, well, the, my primary contact was in, um, in Libya and uh, Grenada. But, and, that, but uh, did that ever dawn on you? When, when you press whatever button it is to, you know, to release that bomb and, and that bomb is falling, did it ever, does, does that, is that something that crosses your mind, that innocent people could die because of that? I've, I've suffered for 30 years with PTSD because of my time in the military, as do a lot of guys in the military. It's, it's just not right to be killing people, but that's the job, and that's the way Do you it regret goes. it? Do you, do you regret that? Now, do you regret I do. I do it again yesterday. I served my country proudly, and I'm, I'm proud to be a former United States Marine, and I do it again yesterday. Having said that, um, there are limitations I mean, when you go through training in the military, you're constantly told, look, this is not a right to just blatantly shoot people. You know, you have Similar to, to Vietnam. Well, we all know what happened in Vietnam. It was kind of numbers. It was body bags. How many bags can we fill? Yeah, well, that's it. But those were, those were uber inflated anyway. So mm-hmm. uh, nobody really knows what the numbers were. But these guys in um, on Bloody Sunday, um, they had a choice. They were all well uh, covered. They all had good concealment, uh, the British soldiers, and they were firing on unarmed civilians. Now, okay, maybe a guy's carrying a petrol bomb, which obviously 
is wrong, but unless it's thrown at you, you don't have a right to shoot that guy. Yeah, I mean, we look, we've, we've all seen the evidence in the Savile Report where innocent people were shot in the back, people were shot while they were on the yeah. ground, um, yeah. people yeah. were shot in the head while they were waving a white flag. I mean, yeah. it, it beggars belief, to be honest with you. But, I mean, here we are 47 years later. It's a long time has passed. Uh, most of these individuals are dead. Four of the soldiers who are mainly identified as sh- shooting the most amount of rounds, two of them are already dead, two are alive, one is Soldier F, um, and they're saying they don't have the available evidence or it's insufficient to provide a reasonable process of conviction for the other soldier, which I think was H or G, mm-hmm. uh, because they're not being named, obviously, at the moment. Um, right. Do you believe, just based on the fact that he fired more rounds than anybody else and he was in that situation and, and witnesses have said that he did shoot people, is that enough to convict him? There, obviously, I, I'm not involved in the legal process, so I don't know. Um, I don't know what evidence they have. Um, they'll, they're going to need a, a quite a preponderance of evidence to prosecute the fellow. But if the evidence is there and it shows that he committed these atrocities, there is no statute of limitations for that. I mean, murder is murder, whether you're military or civilian, it makes no difference. And I firmly believe it was drummed into us as officers in the, in the military that there is such a thing as unlawful orders and you can be prosecuted. And that prosecution runs until the day you die. There is no statute of limitations for that. So it, you, as a U.S. Marine Corps fighter, if you were ordered to do something that you believed was wrong or where innocent people might die, you can yeah. turn around and disobey those orders. Absolutely. You're expected to turn around and disobey those, those orders. Now, it may be that you'll go in front of a court-martial. Um, you know, it could have ramifications, but that's, so be it. That's the way it is. Well, that's a tough choice for somebody to make in that situation, particularly if somebody's 22, 23 years of age, a bit immature, uh, has only joined the Army in the last two, couple of years. It's a tough decision to make. Do I end up in a court-martial or do I end up, you know, going to jail for murder? Nobody ever said it was easy. Nobody ever said the military was easy. It's, a, uh, it's an unfair decision to have, you know, for some young guy in the army to have to make, isn't it? Well, it depends on that, Niall. I mean, um, because you trust your superiors. I mean, I'm sure when you were young and wet behind the ears, you trusted your superiors. I did. I did. But I knew what was an unlawful order. And I knew firing on unarmed civilians was an unlawful order. So, I mean, anybody with a, a, an ounce of common sense would know that. Stay there for a second, because Dave, you're in Classic Kids as well. Dave. You see, you must understand, uh, Niall, the, the Partu Regiment, their frontline troops, hardened troops, you had the, the Royal Green Jackets up here, the Black Watch, the Welsh Regiments, and uh, the local people up there at the time used to, the, the fear God used to go into when the paratroopers Regiments would come over for their stint over there. This man, if proven that he murdered, and that's what it was, murdered. Don't get me wrong, I have nothing but contempt for the provisional IRA or these uh, loyalist thugs, and that's what they are. They're all thugs, a whole bloody lot of them. What they've done to the, the innocent people in the North, Protestant and Catholic. But the British government, that went to the very top prior to them troops going on the ground. Their commanding officer told them, I've no doubt told them, 
what to do and it was okay to pull the trigger and kill innocent people. And that's what they were innocent people. Well, as somebody rightly said in the text here, their, their order was probably uh, the first para regiment were ordered to take back the bog side at all costs. Exactly, and that's what it was, and make no bones about it. That man, if he's a Christian, that uh, paratrooper, he was the uh, no, whether he was a killer, and you have that in the, in, in the army and, and, and in all walks of life. If he's a Christian, let him be brought to justice and let him go to his maker, if you believe in God or whatever, and let there be a bit of justice done. There was no justice done to them innocent people in the bog site that time. None whatsoever. They were, it was a pigeon shoot and nothing but a pigeon shoot. Well, I don't want to sound insensitive, but, but when you're in a situation like Brian, who is you know, a fighter pilot, or if you're in a paratrooper and you're responsible for killing people on a regular basis, uh, people who are justifiably killed during war... Uh, do you become desensitised then to murder? But the, 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 that was, I, I'm not, I'm not that, using it as an excuse, yeah, by the way. I, I appreciate that, that, but that wasn't war. That wasn't a war situation. I was in um, our own defence forces here for years, and uh, our main our main aim was to keep the, the bloody country safe from the provisional IRA and and uh, gobshites of politicians in the south who were backing them. No. Um, but when you, when you were in the defense, well, when you were in no, the defense forces, Dave, well, well, hang on, let me ask you a question. When you were in the defense forces, and uh, under no circumstances, probably, unless you went on a few tours of duty for peacekeeping, were you in a situation where you may have, you know, been killing innocent people, right? But in saying that, you heard what Brian said, that if a superior officer gave you an order that you believed was unjustified or innocent people might die, I mean, were you aware of the fact that you could actually disobey that order? Well, if you're in an act of war and there's war around you and people shooting at you, you take it's a split-second operation. But there was no act of war up there. These were innocent people. No, there was a melee there. There were people shouting, roaring, and as you do in a, a peaceful situation, they were shouting. They might have been shouting at the, at the para regiment up there. But there was no one out there, actually, may, maybe one or two provosts who said they all, they didn't they say that that other fellow that died, uh, Martin McGuinness, that chap, Mm. Um, who has a lot of blood in his hands, uh, was mixed up in it as well. But there was no, there was no active, uh, there was no evidence of provisional IRA, or, 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 or as they call them, uh, stickies or official IRA at the time, shooting people. And what that done at the time, it's, it was the very same as they brought in the internment. It, it was, a, it was a, 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 a situation where they brought in um, uh, more, uh, the, the provost played on it, and, um, and brought in innocent Catholics and, and nationalists into their organisation. It was a desperate thing for the British authorities to do, but you must understand, shortly before that, Northern Ireland was ruled by Unionists and by B-Specials. They were thugs. Well, I mean, I mean, David Cameron has apologised on behalf of the, the British people and the UK for what happened on that particular day after the Savile Report. Now, some of the families have said they don't personally take the soldiers responsible. They believe they were carrying out orders. But as Brian rightly said, those orders shouldn't have been carried out. But the individuals responsible for the establishment at the time are gone. They're dead. I understand that, but so, I, can, I can guarantee on the day there were soldiers who didn't shoot, who wouldn't shoot, because the situation didn't demand a bullet to be put in the spine of a young man. There was, uh, there, you had batons, you had rubber bullets, but you didn't put... Uh, and why do you, why uh, do you think, when that, when that conflict was ongoing on a regular basis, as uh, Peter Casey rightly pointed out, they used to call it the, Saturday, the Sunday matinee because it happened on a regular basis. Why do you think on that particular occasion rubber bullets weren't used? Because they got the order before it. There was an order given. They were brought in the night before 
or on the morning and by their commanding officer and they were told what to do and it was simple as that. They're front, front-line battle-hardened soldiers. Front-line battle, the best of the British Army uh, uh, next to the Ranger regiments. That's what happened there. Put in a situation where there was innocent people um, uh, protesting legitimately for the treatment that they were getting at the time and they were told to take them out. It was as simple as that. Brian, sorry, just going back to Brian. Brian, in, in your years in the Marine Corps, did you ever disobey an order? Um, I can't say off the top of my head that I have, um, but I can't also uh, recall being given an unlawful order. But like, for example, um, my tours in combat um, were during wartime. Uh, we were in uh, official conflicts, and I was. I was uh, fighting against troops um, on the ground that were actually trying to shoot me. So it was a completely different sort Mm. of scenario. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits.